Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. If you're a fan of the show, write us a review and tell your friends about us. And if you donate at thebittersweetlife.net, you'll not only help keep the show going, you'll get a handwritten thank you note in the mail. And we will never forget you. Also, if you want to sponsor the show, contact us through thebittersweetlife.net. And if you're new, welcome. I'm Katie Sewell. This show begins in Rome, right after I quit my job as a senior producer for public radio and moved there. This was totally out of my character. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, author of Midnight in the Piazza, and she's my childhood friend. And she also moved to Rome, but over a decade ago. She flew there with no real plan and managed to stay. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning. I promise you'll be entertained. And don't be afraid to start thinking about how you might want your life to be different. We're all on this journey together. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, Tiffany is back from her vacation. Yay! Well, not today. I didn't get back today, but yes. Today on the show, <laughs> she's back from her vacation, yeah. And I guess I shouldn't say yay, necessarily, depending on how great that vacation was, and now it's over. It was great. It was really, really great. Yeah. Let's just leave it there, Katie. It was great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> join us next week. Look for us on Instagram. Um, so... You came to the United States, and sadly, you and I did not overlap. No, we did not. But this was a, what seemed to me at least, a longer trip, and the first one where your son, who has been in the United States before, was maybe old enough to remember it going forward. Yes. Well, yes and no. So yes, the second part, yes. No, it was not a longer trip. Um, the last time we went to the States altogether, which was actually the first time Aurelio went, we were there for a month, I want to say. Oh. And we went to five different states, actually. It was a crazy trip. This one was a little bit more relaxing and shorter. It was just two weeks. But yes, he's definitely going to remember this trip. He might not remember all the details, but I, I think that he will remember it. And it's also the first time where he's like really gotten into it. Yeah. What does that mean? He was excited about America. He's, you know, he has this notion now of what America is. He understands. He doesn't completely get it. But the full month before we left, it was, you know, California this and Arizona that and America and trying to figure out if California was in America or if California was a different place than America. A little bit confused about that. And then just the fact that he has his cousins there who he adores and every night is talking about how much he misses. No. He's just, you know, a little bit older now, and he's able to appreciate things a little more. Yeah, so how old is he now? He is just about to turn four. And what is his understanding of America? You think he, he understands that he lives in Italy, right? Or no? Yeah, no, he, he understands that he lives in Italy. I have kind of drilled it into him that he's American and Italian. I don't want him to grow up and not identify with that half of his heritage. So it's very important to me that he knows he's American. So he, he gets it. He does get it. Every so, like, I remember he's said to Claudio a few times, I'm American and Mama's American, but Papa, you're not American. And Claudio's like, aw. <laughs> you know, he always says, I am in my heart. 
Oh. And today he told me, you know, no, no doesn't speak English. Mm. So he gets that there's something in Pew. There's something more that he has. It's not one or the other. It's something extra that he has, this being American. You know, I, I don't know how much kids can understand the concept of like the world and how big it is and how far countries are away from each other. I don't think that he gets that. But we look at the map and the globe and I show him this is America and this is where I'm from. And this is where Nana Patty lives, and this is where Cousin Parker lives, and et cetera, et cetera. And he's starting to figure it out, and he loves to travel, and he's good at it. How so? He's really good on airplanes. We've all been next to that awful, obnoxious kid on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Or there's, you know, plenty of kids who just won't sleep on airplanes. And he sleeps really well on the airplane. He's not a great sleeper, as I've probably mentioned more than once. But, you know, we got on that plane at 3 p.m. or something, 1 p.m. Anyways, it was an afternoon flight. It wasn't anywhere near bedtime. But we had like an hour of sitting on the plane, maybe watched a video, had something to eat. And I was like, come cuddle up in my arms. He cuddled up in my arms and like he was asleep in five minutes. He slept for like three or four hours. Oh, that's great. And then he woke up and, you know, played for a little bit more, watched maybe another video. He walked around, looked out the windows, went to the bathroom and he came back. And he fell asleep again. <laughs> so he slept for, you know, more than half of the flight. It was a long 13-hour flight going. It was very uncomfortable as well. Thanks, Alitalia. <laughs> very uncomfortable flight. Very dirty airplane. I was not happy with Alitalia. Going back was better. But so he slept really great. And the last time it was the same. Going west, he had no jet lag. He got up really early the first morning. We all did. We all woke up around 4 But after that, it was fine. He started waking up around his normal wake-up time. He slept all night. He was really good. And even when he wasn't sleeping on the airplane, he was just chill. Like, he wasn't making a lot of noise. He wasn't being obnoxious. I mean, maybe the person in front of us thought he was being obnoxious, but definitely (laughs) the whole plane didn't think that. (laughs) But no, he was really good. And then we did a lot of driving on the trip. Not tons, but we did a good amount of driving. And he would either sleep or he would be awake. And when he was awake... He was just chilling. He was just like looking out the window and watching the city go by. I never had to put a video in front of him. You know, I had a couple of toys for him, but we had very little luggage allowance on this flight. We had to carry on. Never done this in my entire life, carried on on an international flight. Never done it. And I do it when I'm traveling with a kid. Very little space for toys and things. You know, I just had a couple of coloring books and a couple of very small little cars and stuff. And it was fine. He was great. Like the, the most obnoxious thing that he did was singing in the car. Not singing, actual singing a song, but kind of being like, la, 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 like endlessly. So that <laughs> was annoying, but it wasn't bad. It was under the circumstances. It was great. And he was very good about like sleeping in new places. He just adjusted super well to every single place we were. Kids are notorious for needing their routine and needing to like sleep in the same place every night, know what's coming and the familiarity of it. They crave that. And he he was just not phased at all by the fact that for three nights we were in this bed and breakfast and then four or five nights we were at grandma's house in Arizona and then we went on this road trip and we stayed in different hotels. Every night we were in a different place. He was fine. He never had a problem falling asleep. He slept all night. He never was waking up. Of course, he was in bed with us, so that makes it easier. But He was just fine. He was great. And then the most amazing thing of all is that we flew back. It's a nine-hour time difference. You've done it. It's hard. Yeah. Especially if you, like, mess up and sleep in the afternoon. 
you can be really screwed up. Mm-hmm. And our flight, luckily, again, and I recommend to people, if you're flying from the West Coast and you're doing that long flight, even if you have a layover, if you're flying from the West Coast, try to get a flight that leaves in the afternoon, not in the morning. Because you do not want to arrive in Europe and have it be early in the morning. You don't want to arrive and it's nine o'clock. Yeah. So we arrived and it was already like 3 p.m. when we got there. Actually, no, that's not true. We left at 3 p.m. It was like 12.30. But it was late enough that by the time we got through and by the time we got home and by the time we unpacked and did laundry and went to the grocery store, it was dinner time. Mm-hmm. It was an early dinner time. And Aurelio had not slept. I was worried that he was going to crash. He didn't crash, probably because he slept so well on the airplane. We, it was, I was so stunned. I was expecting, I was psyching myself up for being awake all night. Because that's what happened last time. We came back. We arrived early. He and Claudio both fell asleep in the afternoon. I couldn't wake them. And then they were, he was up all night. Yeah. This time, he didn't sleep in the afternoon. I got him in bed at like 8 o'clock. And Katie, he slept all night. Now, I'm not saying he didn't wake up. He did wake up a couple times, which is understandable. But very briefly. But he slept. Wow. And he immediately got back into his rhythm. I couldn't believe it. He had zero jet lag and I had zero jet lag. Claudio had a tiny, tiny little bit. The only thing I can say is at five o'clock, the first couple of days, I would be like a little bit tired, but it would pass. Like I just pushed through it. My kid is a super traveler. It's just a sign that I need to travel with him more often. Well, I mean, just by demonstration of how well he sleeps while traveling versus how well he sleeps when he's actually at home, you should be on a trip every single month so you can really get some rest. Well, the thing is, Katie, I was expecting, because he started sleeping, and I'm not, I don't want to get into like details on this because nobody cares, <laughs> but... As you know, he he started problem sleeping, but he was finally getting there. Finally, the last two weeks before our trip, he started sleeping through the night like consistently, which he's basically never done. And I was like, well, when we get back from America, that'll go to hell and we'll have to like reteach him. And no, Katie, since we got back, first couple nights, he woke up a few times. He's been sleeping through the night every single night since we got back. 11 hours. Wow, that's fantastic. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. If it's maybe it's just his time. Yeah. Or maybe it's just the travel. I I don't know. Maybe he just got so tired. I don't know what it is, but I'm not complaining. Hello, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Katie. Breaking into the show really quick so I can ask Katie a question. Yes. So as you know, Katie, we're challenging our listeners to help us reach a financial goal of $1,000 a month on Patreon. We are. And you know what, Tiffany? If everyone listening pitched in $5, $10, even $20 a month, we would make that goal in a heartbeat. So my question for you is, why do we need $1,000 a month? Well, $600 to $700 of that is covering our monthly costs. That's web hosting fees, taxes, advertising, equipment charges, you know, the day-to-day expenses that keep a weekly show running. So what about the other $300? Well, I don't know if you've noticed, Tiffany, that we've been doing this show for over five years and haven't ever really been paid. Have you noticed? I have. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I'm hoping that the person listening to my voice right now will love the show enough to wish that their hosts got paid for making it too. So $150 a piece seems like a modest start, don't you think? I think it would be great. It would. So if you love the show, please support it and all the hard work and effort that goes into making it. Netflix can survive without you. We can't. So visit patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast and become a donating member of our community. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the bittersweet life podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. And now back to the show. Uh, so let's get back to one thing you said about Claudio, because when Aurelio was saying, Mama's from America and I'm American and you're not. And Claudio said, I am in my heart. Do you think that that's true? He told me that on this trip, after we came back, he said, when I'm in the States, I don't feel like I'm in a foreign country. I feel incredibly at home there. But he said, he kind of said he's always felt like that from the very first time we went, but he really feels like it now. And I think, I think he wants, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Katie, and with you listening, wherever you are. This is the very first time I've been to the States and I've really wanted to stay. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not just stay longer, but like move there kind of move but move back what? yeah da, i know da, da. i know da, da, da. Uh, so uh. i think a huge part of that is seeing the interaction with aurelio and his cousins my niece and nephew yeah because he doesn't have any cousins over in rome no he does not he has a couple of second cousins but he doesn't have any first cousins and i think cousins are it's an important part of life especially since he doesn't have siblings cousins are important and they're a little bit older than him but not too much they're old enough that they seem like really big kids to him but they're young enough that they still enjoy playing with him so it's kind of perfect and I uh, I just honestly I'll be honest with you when we were in the car on the way to the airport I started crying wow. never happened to me in my life I started crying and it's because it's not right that, you know, that we do that so, so infrequently, I guess. I feel bad for him. And of course, it's mom guilt. It's like, I shouldn't go there, but, ever, you know. Might as well, yeah. Us moms, we find, we'll find something to feel guilty about, no matter what. You can find something. And so I felt guilty that he doesn't get to have more time with his cousins. And I felt bad for myself because I really enjoyed being with my family, with my mom, my stepdad, my sister, her husband, their kids. And I have a lot of other family members I didn't see on this trip that I'd like to spend more time with and not to mention friends. And I just kind of felt like, am I depriving him? Am I depriving myself of really great family time? And I think, look, everyone's different. So I'll talk about myself. I have not suffered too, too terribly much being away from family. Like I miss my family, sure, but I've, it's not been a major problem for me. But now that I have him, it's totally changed. And I've also had some loss in my family, as you know, in the past year, two years. And that makes you just realize that you cannot count on anyone being there the next time you come. Yeah. No matter how young they are. Right. Because from between this trip and the last one, three of your family members died. Is that right? Well, if you count my trip to the States to promote my book last year, in which Claudio and Aurelio did not come. Oh, yes. No. But since that trip, which was in March of last year, two family members have died. And then between when I came with Claudio and Aurelio the last time and that trip a year ago, my father died. So three people in two years, two of them within the last less than a year. It really makes you realize, you know... Like I said in the episode, Dad, I said to my father so many times, okay, this Christmas is not going to happen, but we're really going to try for next Christmas. And you can keep saying that and keep saying that until the person that you're promising is no longer there anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard having, you know, Claudio has his family here too, you know, so it's never going to be perfect. We're never going to be living 
in the place where all of our family members are. So there's always going to be some kind of sacrifice and some kind of compromise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The perfect solution. (laughs) Divorce. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) The perfect ideal would be if we could... You know, when you read like a book by a generally pretty successful author, often it'll say in the about the author part, it'll be the little bio of the author. And then the last line, that's the line that makes me the most jealous. Not everybody has it, but a lot of our authors do. And it's this, Mr. Author or Ms. Author divides their time between Rome and Seattle yeah. or between London and Sydney or between Los Angeles and Paris. That's it. That is what I want. <laughs> I want to divide my time between Rome and I don't know where, Seattle, LA. I don't really want to be in Los Angeles, but you know, somewhere, Arizona. I would be happy living in Arizona for three months out of the year. And then I could go to LA. I could go to Seattle. I could go to New York during that three month period and then go back to Rome. Just get a lot of quality time. Like it's just so fleeting. When I'm in Arizona with my mom and now I don't particularly want to live in Arizona. It doesn't call to me as a place to live long term. But when I'm there at my mom's house, eating outside, having barbecues, okay, yes, I'm in vacation mode. So obviously it's not real life. But spending this quality time with my mom, seeing Aurelio interact with her, and he, you know, he's always been a little bit standoffish with my mom, especially at first, because he doesn't spend that much time with her. Right. It's a stranger every time. I mean, always, it's always a little bit less, um, but this time was totally different. As soon as he saw her at the airport, he ran to her. He couldn't wait to hug her. And he was like, Nana Patty, Nana Patty. <laughs> and I've never seen him like that with before. And he was so loving with her and like lounging on the couch together and cuddling and playing together. I want that to be a relationship that's more than once or twice a year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. It's so complicated. So your book career has to take off immediately. So everybody go buy your book, Midnight in the Piazza. Yes, please. Please. And can I just say this? Just write me a review on Amazon. Like seriously, non-authors have no idea how important Amazon reviews are. Sadly so, yeah. I'm sorry. Even if you didn't buy your book on Amazon, you can still review it on Amazon. There's something like after a certain number of reviews, they'll start saying to people like, oh, if you like this book, you might also like this book. They'll put it more prominently. So I don't want to, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not huge in self-promotion. Right. But I am going to say, just since we're talking about it, if you would be so kind and if you enjoyed the book and if you read it, obviously, if you haven't read it, well, read it. (laughs) (laughs) But please write me an Amazon review. It costs nothing. It takes like two minutes and it will make a huge difference. So that's all I'm going to say. Yes. Okay, so we're not going to say that you're actually mentally making plans about moving to the United States, but did you get a sense that Claudio felt the same way? Or does he not feel the same way because he is actually from Italy, born and raised? Well, he it's a totally different thing because he doesn't have the same pull that I have, the family pull, of course. I mean, he, he of course, wants Aurelia to have relationships with all of these people, but it's not as personal to him because it's not his family, his blood family at least. But what he has is he's totally sick of where he's he's sick of Rome he's sick of the day-to-day he's not sick of the beauty and the history but that's not a huge part of our daily life as people who are living outside of the center commuting by car or by metro going to work every day and paying bills it's just it's not the same experience that a tourist or even an expat who lives in the center like my experience before 
moving out here and before getting married and all of that. So he's not sick of the beauty of Rome. I'm not saying that. He's just sick of, he's sick of the day-to-day, the, you know, the way things work or don't work here, the attitude of the people. As we've talked about many times, there's a lot of downsides to it. And of course, his job. <laughs> so um, he would, I think he would move in a heartbeat. Huh. Interesting. And is he still, because I remember the last time you were in the States, he loved the wide open roads of Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) Is he still mostly drawn to Arizona? Uh, For a man who likes to drive, driving in Rome is so unpleasant. The wide open giant highways of the United States call his name. Yeah. Is it still Arizona that draws him the most? I think he loves California, to be honest. But California is kind of a bit out of our budget. It's just so expensive, like anywhere you go in California. So I doubt we'd be going to California. I don't know. I don't know. Like as much as we, you know, occasionally talk about it, we have, like you said, there's, there's no plans and there's no idea of where. I guess we would go where we could get work, I suppose. Or we would go to Arizona temporarily because we have the support of my mother there. That would be a big help. Right. You could move in with her for a while. We could. Yes. She has a lot of space. Hmm. So was there anything besides the surprise of crying on the way to the airport, which, you know, I wish I had a microphone there because we've been doing this show for over five years and I've cried multiple times and I can't get Tiffany to cry on this damn show. (laughs) Not that I've been, you know, focusing my efforts on it, but I would have liked to be the little fly with a microphone next to you in the cab. Next time you burst into tears, just turn on your iPhone and record a voice memo for me. Yeah. Okay, that's, I will try (laughs) to remember that. Besides the surprise, though, of feeling so sad when you were leaving, I assume, I mean, you grew up there, so it's hard to know, but but is there anything that every time you get back or when you got back this time surprised you about the U.S.? Like you just sort of forget that that's the way it is? I felt like in a supermarket, everything was sold in these like mega ginormous quantities. Like you couldn't just go into the supermarket and get six eggs. You had to get 12 eggs or more. I feel like in Italy, things are smaller, you know, small proportions, small packages of food. And we were, when we were in LA, we were staying in an Airbnb with a kitchen and we would generally have lunch at home just because, you know, we would try to get a nap and stuff. And we wanted to buy eggs. I had to buy 12 eggs. We wanted to buy a bottle of water. Katie, like, the only bottle of water we could find in the supermarket was like one of those two liter giant bottles like of Poland Spring. There was no little, you know, half a liter. I mean, I know you guys don't even use liters there. I don't even know what it would be, like a quart size water bottle. Even the milk, the milk comes in these giant bottles, the orange juice. Like I was like, we are never going to drink all of this orange juice in three days. (laughs) (laughs) What grocery store are you at? We do have smaller proportions than that. I don't know. Maybe I was at like a, it was not Costco. Okay. I know what Costco (laughs) is. It was not Costco. I don't know. It was some California place. And so that always surprises me. And then I have to remind myself, it's not a surprise, but I have to remind myself always of how much stricter the traffic laws are parking. And I had to remind Claudia, I was like, we can't just park in a place that you can't park. We'll get a ticket. It will happen immediately. We were in Beverly Hills of all places and we parked at a meter and we went to just do this quick thing that Claudia wanted to see, this like famous cafe. We weren't planning on like sitting down and having anything there, but we ended up doing so. So all the owners were Italian and so we were chatting with them. And I was like, oh my God, we have to get back to the meter. We have to get back now. 
it happens so often in Rome that I paid a little, they don't have meters in Rome, but like you pay it a little ticket thing, you get a little ticket, you put it in the, on your car dash. They always expire. I always pay, but they always expire. And even if they expire for like by 30 minutes, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get a ticket. But ours was about to expire. Like it expired like two minutes ago. And I'm like speed walking down the street. And it wasn't a huge surprise, but it was something that I really have to remind myself. Also like U-turns. You can't just make a random U-turn in the middle of the street. You will get a ticket. Even jaywalking in some places you might get a ticket for. So... So that's a big difference that I had to remind myself of. It's true. It's kind of the opposite of what you were complaining about <laughs> years ago. In Italy, it's like we could solve all of these major problems if people just suffered a penalty for it. And then you get to the US and it's like penalty, penalty, penalty. You will pay yeah. for every misstep that you make. Here's the thing I've always said that Italy and America are two extremes, and neither is really in the right place. And there should be a happy medium between the total lack of enforcement of traffic laws in Italy and the kind of obsessive overkill in the United States and many, 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 many other things. Political things, you know, just lots of things. Well, in the U.S. too, the the traffic laws are often used as a policing system. For instance, my parents live on a place called Mercer Island. Mercer Island is kind of a richy suburb of Seattle. Uh, My parents aren't super wealthy, but my dad worked on the island, so they lived on the island. But anyway... The cops there are pretty bored, and I always used to joke, you can't drive there as a high school student, you know, in your car that you bought for 500 bucks because you will get pulled over every single time you hit hit the road. But they use it as a policing system. So, for instance, I was just on Mercer Island the other day, and apparently a taillight was out, and you can't have a taillight out on Mercer Island, otherwise they're going to get pulled over, and I did. And they're just doing it to do other investigations, like... What are you doing? Do you have your insurance? Are you drunk? Or whatever. You know, they're just doing it, but they have to have cause to pull you over. Mm. And then they can discover these other things. And it's actually often a real problem in the United States. Well, I don't know if you know this, Katie, but in Italy, the police will routinely pull people over randomly. And that's totally okay. You don't have to have a reason. Not even a taillight that's out. Not even like you forgot to put your blinker on. And every so often I see them doing it and I've never been pulled over, but they do it. It's like a routine thing. They just will decide to go out and do it one day and they'll be standing by the side of the row with their little, like what they call a lollipop, which is like a little paddle thing. It's shaped like a lollipop. And they'll just randomly tell people to pull over and you have to show them your license and registration and insurance and all that stuff. And if nothing's wrong, they send you on your way. So in that sense, it's actually, they're actually more strict in the sense that they can pull you over. And the same is true on the street. It is legal for the police to stop you and just ask to see your documents for no good reason. And what documents is that? What are you carrying? In Italy, it's the law that you have to have an ID on you, which could be a driver's license or a national ID card, which everyone has, the national ID card. And if you're a foreigner, you're supposed to have either your passport or a photocopy of your passport. Interesting. You're supposed to. Well, when I was in South Africa, they did that same thing with the lollipop, although I don't know that they had a lollipop. I wasn't driving the car, but they routinely shut down freeways to make people go through a drunk driver gauntlet, if you can imagine. It's 11 p.m. We're stopping every single car to find out if you've been drinking. Every single one. Wow. And every single person had to do like a test? Uh, I don't know. I remember that they had to do a test. But again, I was riding with a guy and we were stuck in this long line. And I think it was in the back seat. So I don't remember all the details of what he had to go through. But we were like, what's the deal? Why is the traffic so backed up? And he's like, oh, it's a 
It's a drunk driving gauntlet, basically. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I must have a major problem with that. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So lasting takeaways from your trip? Best day, worst day? <laughs> it was amazing. It was just wonderful. The trip, you know, after all the stress that I went through planning this trip, as you, you know, if you haven't heard, you can go back and listen to the travel anxiety episode. We really almost didn't go on this trip. Yeah. There was a lot of things that were in the way. Yeah. And even I, for like a couple of moments, stopped and was like, is this a good idea? This is going to be extremely expensive. And also we've got these other issues. You know, we might have to cancel the trip at the last moment or something could happen. But it was really forceful. I really insisted that we go and almost forced Claudio into going. I just can't tell you how happy I am that we went because it was wonderful. And a lot of the time was spending time with family. And that was what was wonderful. And then some of the time it was pure tourism. And that was wonderful too. But it was just great. It was I don't know, I can't even tell you, driving down the coast of California on the Highway 1, it's something that I've always dreamed of doing. I've always wanted to do the Pacific Coast Highway, and we did it. And the weather was beautiful every single day. Did you see any elephant seals while you were on that highway? We did. We did. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts. I put them on my Instagram stories, Katie. Ooh. You must not have seen them. I'll send you the video. Okay. I'll repost that. Yeah. We, we pulled off the highway. We missed it. We missed the stop. And I looked back and I was like, oh my God, I see seals on the beach. Seals are my favorite animal, by the way. Oh. Harp seals, particularly. I made Claudio turn around and we had to drive a while before we could find a place to turn around. He was like grumbling the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was like, we are going back. We turn back. We drive. We find a place to park. We walk, 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 walk. And we can see the seals out on the beach. But before we get to the beach, we see there's this little river. And in the river are the elephant seals playing with each other and jumping on each other and fighting, play fighting with each other. Mm. And they were so close. It was amazing. And, you know, we just saw some beautiful places and ate some great food and ate some not so great food and <laughs> Funny of that. stayed in some great places and stayed in some not so great places yeah. and spent time on the beach. And uh, it was just great. Ideal family vacation. You didn't happen to go to Hearst Castle, did you? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, we did not go to Hearst Castle. <laughs> have you been there before? No, but I have seen pictures and I know what it is, but it's not. Okay. Yeah. I think if, you, if you're in Italy, you don't go to America and go to Hearst Castle. Like, we've got the real thing over here. <laughs> <laughs> I ask because I've always been dying to know if anybody, any of you are not Americans and have visited the United States and gone to Hearst Castle. I am just dying to know what a foreign person thinks about that because it is such, it's a a really rich, he was like a newspaper baron and he built this castle on a hill that's in California. You can go tour it now and it's just this clash of all sorts of different cultures smashed into one structure because he basically went along the, around the world and appropriated whatever he thought was cool and then put it together. And when you take the tour, the tour guide says, and yes, he used to host all these people from the golden age of Hollywood, but also tons of foreign dignitaries. And I looked at Derek and I'm like, I wonder what the foreign dignitaries thought about this place, <laughs> you know, because it's just, I don't know, it's so garish. And so I've just always wondered what an actual person from Europe thinks about Hearst Castle. So if you had gone, I would have made you drag Claudio onto the show and <laughs> tell me all about his impressions about it. So maybe someday, your next trip. Maybe someday. Make a point of making Claudio go to Hearst Castle okay. and give his impressions about it. I will. <laughs> I would love to know. 
or any of you listening, if you've been there, I want to know, what did you make of it? Anyway, that's great. You know, we're kind of out of time for today, but I was thinking while you were talking that by you living in Rome, by you moving away from the United States and living over there for over a decade now. It's going to be 15 years, Katie. Can you believe that? Wow, that's incredible. 15. Yeah, well, in some way, and how you were talking about it in this distance that you have from family, and sometimes I think about this in terms of deciding to move to another country, is it has this element of being in exile. I, I don't know if exile is the right word, but you apart from all of these other people that you love, right? And we've talked about that a little bit, but I wouldn't mind exploring it as mm -hmm. exactly that, what these negative exile type parts of it are, you know? The separation. Sounds like a topic for a future episode. I know. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts about that, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm framing that right, but that feeling of uh, you are you are separate, you are removed. Yeah. And some people love that intentionally, but what about the, the negative aspects of like you built your life in Rome and now you're feeling these feelings of, well, what if I want to be over there, mm -hmm. but I'm over here now. I'm stuck over here now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It would be something interesting to explore. And if anybody has any thoughts about it, send us an email, bittersweetlife at mail.com or through the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net. I would be curious to hear those kind of more, I don't know, negative, separate thoughts. Yes, you can also reach us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for The Bittersweet Life. And I guess we'll leave it there. I'm sorry we didn't get to see each other while you were in California. So close, and yet so far. I know. So close. I know. I, I am know. glad you got to go to Big Sur, though. Totally worth seeing at some point in your life. Yes, it was incredible. Incredible place. Yes. And I guess we'll talk about the changes in my life which people are beginning to speculate about, I hear, online. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that next time. Okay, sounds good. And so until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Lori Lee Elliott for her help managing The Bittersweet Life on YouTube and to Sarah Johnson for her consultation. Our logo is made by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory with painting assistance by our muse, Caravaggio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That way we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or at the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net. 